Skip The review podcast. Yeah. Welcome to the review podcast. I am Anthony. And I'm Bree. And this is a podcast in which we review movies. And then we review movies. Oh, yes, we do. Oh, yes, we do. Uh, we pick a movie that one of us has seen at least one time. And then we watch it. And we come on the pod and we talk about it. All the good, all the bad, all the ugly, as yep. we've definitely seen in or in Bree's perspective, as we've seen in the last few PTA movies that we've done. How many more do I have to watch? One more. Oh, One more. Jesus. One more. Um, but here we are, back again, on the Tell podcast. Your friends, we are back. Oh, sing it. No, sing it. Um. <laughs> So here we are, and uh, hi, Bree. How are you? I'm good. Yeah? Mm. Yeah. You know, I'm doing summer school right now, and it sucks, so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a minute since we have, uh, you know, stepped into the recording studio, and we've yeah, got... That's, that's probably my fault. We've been super busy. That's we've my... been really busy. Uh, we had a wedding last weekend, and I was in it, so I had to, like, really commit. Oh, yeah. Then... We're actually cutting it really close to release day for this podcast. Normally on our schedule, we crank a few of them out consecutively so that we have like a few weeks to just chill and, you know, not really do much. We're going to be like struggling to keep up because like we're so busy. Yeah. The summer is a busy. Well, for you, we're busy at different times during mm -hmm. the summer. So we're actually cutting it really close. We're recording this um on a Wednesday for, and a, Saturday for a Saturday release uh, and, and we don't normally do that so uh, you you know we gotta uh, what, what's the phrase I'm looking for we have to pick and choose I guess like how to not go crazy with keeping up with the schedule because my initial plan was to watch the movie and record right after in one day and we don't normally do that Normally what we do is we watch and then record the following day to give us a little bit of time to digest the movie, to decompress a little bit. But if we're really stressed for time, then we'll record on the same day while it's fresh in our minds, which we I think we did for Punch Drunk Love yeah, last we week. Yeah, we did. So we, I, not, that, not that we need to be better because we're still keeping up with our recording, but... Uh, we have to gonna... not stress ourselves out. Yeah. This so stuff. this is like us not stressing ourselves out because to be honest, what well, we have cake tasting for our wedding today. And then tomorrow I have my hair and makeup trial. Like, and then Saturday is my mom's birthday party. And then we only really have Sunday. And we're going to go see Jurassic Park yeah. at some point. So like we're super busy and maybe Jurassic Park will be like a nice little... Well, we do have to record a pod for Jurassic Park. Yeah, but we we won't we, release that for a while. No, that'll come out like a few weeks after the release of the movie so that we can spoil it and everything and not... Um, feel like buttholes? Not feel like buttholes for... Sorry, everybody. Spoiling everything I'm super for excited for that one. Um, I hope Owen dies. Um, oh, geez. Uh, oh, somebody on Twitter, I was reading um, like a thread about the Jurassic World movies and someone's like... How can you have a franchise like this with two of the most like unlikable main characters that have no chemistry between each other, like Owen and Claire? Owen needs to die. I that's because I just don't I think like Owen's her. gonna. I, think I don't. Gonna I don't die. like Chris Pratt, so I think it would be best if he. I think we'll see uh, Owen die. In this if film. I was a director, and I, this is just, and I like fundamentally disagree with who, like who Chris Pratt is as a person. I would find any way to kill him off of but everything. You have to think about this is like a billion dollar franchise. You're not the only one making decisions here. You know, you have studio heads that are going to be breathing down your neck and saying, no, we love Chris Pratt. Well, you know, Taika Waititi probably tortured him with like the vaguely like homoerotic scenes that are in Thor Love and Thunder. Oh, maybe. Oh, yeah. There's a scene where like people are like, Chris Pratt turning like skin crawling when like um, they uh, asked Thor to like look deeply into his eyes. Deeply, deeply into his eyes. Yeah. Um, oh, I have an idea of what? what we can do for like a future 
podcast. Do you want to start like instead of doing like these BS? Well, we could do the BSing like we normally do. <laughs> How about we do movie news for the week? But well, I don't know. I I want to do the news. movie news. I want to do that, but we're so like we record sometimes far ahead of schedule that it might not keep up. So I don't know. Maybe we'll see. I'll, we'll figure it out. Maybe it's like a special only when we're like falling behind. Only when we're falling <laughs> behind. Yeah. And we might need some material to go with because some movies we watch and we just like don't have a lot to talk Which, about for. This one, it's like it was really good, but there's just not a lot to say. It says you have to watch it and it says all it says. Yeah. So we had a we had an interesting weekend, I, I think. Um we had a lot of wedding for Bree's friend's wedding We that she was standing up in. We had a lot of wedding activities this weekend. And now that that's over, we have begun. Yeah, we realized how much work we have to do. Okay, yeah. So I think Anthony finally woke up from his wedding coma because I've been asking what for him to help me with wedding stuff for months. And he's like, you got it. Like, whatever you I want. I think in the whatever back of my want. head. And I'm like, Anthony, I can't do this all by myself. And then I think him going to this wedding and seeing how much work goes into it, he finally realized, like, I have to help with this. Like, I can't just no, let no, Bree no. do it. No, And that's not what I thought. Mm, I, I think so. I think at one point you said to me, okay, when her wedding is done... And I'm done with that. Then we, you know, we have to gear up. We have to gear up for planning our own weddings because it's hard to focus on multiple things at multiple times. And I wanted to make sure her wedding was special. It's a very close friend. Love her very much. Yeah. So I wanted to put 100% of myself into that wedding. Yeah. No, I understand that. And I think I heard you say that and it just like stuck in, your stuck mind. in my brain that it's like, okay, when that wedding's done then like i'll be in full gear mode of preparing for our wedding but we're trying to get things done like we got our invitations uh ordered not delivered yet but they look kind of cool cake tasting today cake tasting today i'm going to get measured for my tux today we've got all that figured out i'm just waiting on some of my groomsmen to give me the information necessary for me to finalize the tux orders and uh, then, I don't know, we we made a list of a bunch of different things that we have like to we do. We have quite a bit There's to do. There's stuff that we have to make. And like, we have to make stickers that go on, like, our bags that we give out at the hotel. And yeah. I told I told Anthony, I was like, I totally forgot about those. But every wedding I've been to, there are, be like, treat bags with, like, some, like, treats in it for people who stay at the hotel. Yeah. Every wedding I've been to. And then there was something that at the wedding we were at this past weekend that they did that I was like, oh my God, we got to do this. This is a, such a cool idea. And so, you know, they can't bring the dogs to the wedding, but you can incorporate the dogs into uh, the festivities of the reception by making specialized drinks that are named after the dogs and have the little picture of the dogs next to them when you go up to the bar and you try to get a drink. So for hers, her dog is Ella and that was like it was if you've ever had a you've, starry you've had night it. at wildfire it's like the same thing as that it's like citrusy a little bit citrusy but you I don't know, know exactly what was in it it's like blue blue croissant yeah this it was more blue than the starry night at uh wildfire because wildfire uses something that has like glitter in it mm -hmm. but it tastes like the exact same yeah. Um. And then there the, was... his dog Wrangler. There was the Wrangler, which was an amaretto sour, but with orange juice. Yeah. Just saw a lot of the groomsmen were drinking that all night. Yeah. It was nasty. I want to. <laughs> I throw you. I, I stuck with my vodka no. lemonades. Um. Uh, my one of my friends came up to me and she's like, "Oh, try this. It's not very sweet." Because I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna have a headache because I've been drinking all this." Oh, was that stuff. when she brought up the whiskey yeah, she, it, sour? Yeah. She brought me a whiskey. Like it was whiskey, and she's like, "Try it. It had no flavor except burn." No, I'm like, generally not a I fan. I told her, I was like, this tastes nasty. I was like, how are you drinking this? I'm like almost gagging right now I mean, talking there, about it. There are people, um, when, when my my dad, when he drank, because he stopped drinking um, in the past few years, he used to be a big Jack Daniels guy. And I mean, I, I, I've had Jack Daniels before and I've never liked, like, I've never liked whiskey in my life. So, I, like, I don't understand. I like rum. I've always been a big fan of rum. I think rum is like the only alcohol that kind of tastes okay. Um, rum straight is 
Well, I used to I was like I used to be a pirate. Well, I drink mix like rum that's meant to be a mixer. Yes. Like I like like rum chata delicious. Mm-hmm. Like that where you can't actually taste the rum. Where it's like it tastes good. <laughs> Malibu rum where it has like a flavor. Coconutty. It's like that's like the drinks I like to drink. And then they of course Hazel which is his her like his sister-in-law's dog. Um, it was because um, it's a puppy. It was a Shirley Temple. Mm-hmm. So that was really cute. So I'm thinking about like what we can do for Kaido and Mittens. And we've tried to think of some like we don't want to go overly complicated because we have to communicate this with the bartender. And we, have, we to have to even like clear it through the clear venue. It through the venue. So sure, the yeah. way like our. We want to make it simple. Simple. Like, I'm thinking like for Mittens. It's a rum and coke. It's a rum and coke. Or Kaido could be rum and coke because Kaido is named after the one piece character kaido who is always drinking <laughs> <laughs> and then mittens something like something uh, something dainty because she's a lady dainty because she's a lady like a cosmopolitan or something <laughs> or like a, a dry martini <laughs> i was thinking maybe like a, um a screwdriver that's dainty <laughs> yeah to, i drink that you <laughs> i drink that um, um i so it's interesting because We've been watching a lot of Bar Rescue on Paramount Plus lately, and I love I love me some because I love me some Kitchen Nightmares with Gordon Ramsay, and this is basically like Kitchen Nightmares except like in a he smaller setting. He fixes both of them. He fixes the kitchen and the bar, but John Taffer John Taffer would say, "When you overpour, what happens, Brie? If people get drunk quicker, they don't buy, get as many drinks. Yes, and you waste alcohol, and you waste money, and you lose money. So." We were oh my god oh my god when we were at this wedding, they I overpoured. They, they poured me a vodka lemonade, lemonade, but it was clear. It was clear. I saw him pour it, and I looked at Brie. I was like, "Holy mother of God!" And it was to an extent where I drank it, and I like cr- I cringed when I drank I, it because I was that like, was me oh with my every god. Dr- drink it was pure we vodka. Had. It was like everything was just super strong. And we, when you went up to ask them for a little bit less alcohol, they said, "No, that's just how we pour." Taffer would not agree. No, that's not how you pour. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. So. I, I like I had to go back to the bar and grab a Coke because well, I had like four drinks and I was toasted. Well, okay, when I got to the venue, because Brie had been there, she was standing up, she was at the reception already, and then I had to go on a shuttle from the hotel. Oh, he missed the appetizers. Appetizers were delicious. I missed the appetizers, but I immediately went up and I'm like, I got to start now because <laughs> <laughs> like I was a little late to the cocktail hour. So I get I grab a vodka lemonade and I like down it like really quickly. And I was like, okay, that was good. Let me go get another one. Second one, strong. And it took me a little while to get through it. But after two of them, I was like, all right, I'm feeling okay. Feeling like good. Feeling good. I was good, at the table fine. and I was like, mm, where'd you go? Which because I was at the head table. So I was like not sitting by Anthony throughout the reception. But it was not that long that we were, they kept just feeding us. Oh my God, there was so much food. There's and so I much... love it. I'm not complaining about oh it. Oh my God. I have to say, I really enjoyed everything they put in front of me except the salad because it was very underdressed. Yes. But they um, did have prosciutto on it and I love me some prosciutto. Which the woman who was sitting next to me convinced me that it was uncooked bacon. And I was like, oh, I don't want to eat that then. And, you know, me being a little bit buzzed, I was like, I believe you. <laughs> I believe you, oh, woman. I don't know. <laughs> oh, God. So I did not eat it. Now that you're telling me it's prosciutto, I was like, "Damn it!" <laughs> it was so good. No, you got you were. I love my friend, but she was marrying someone from a very different world than she's from. Okay. And so, of course, one of the friend's moms who was sitting next to you, she's one of, very nice, very nice woman, had no idea what prosciutto was. She convinced me it was uncooked bacon. Why would they serve uncooked bacon? <laughs> That's what I said. And she's like, I don't know. And I was like, all right, I believe you, stranger. <laughs> it's for us prosciutto. <laughs> it was lunch meat. Oh, God. But then they gave us... Um, after The, the it was soup like, was good. The soup I, was really good. The steak that they gave us was pretty good. You didn't like it. I liked I think it. It's because the person next to me had like a, like a medium rare. I had a medium rare. And I had you know? like a more of a well done. And that's not how I eat my meat. Mm-hmm. And then... 
we were the like, everybody, at the, like, everybody at the table was like oh my god we're so full from all of this and food. then they brought a and dessert they, right they brought after this like s'more chocolate and mousse, it was so marshmallow good. thing it's so good I, ca- I had like a couple of bites but i could not finish it and i sat there and i was talking to the woman next to me and i was saying like i like it's so good i i feel bad leaving it but like i truly cannot eat anymore because then i won't want to drink and like I want to drink, and we had, and then they had portillos for their late night snack, yeah, which was so good. We had for anybody that's not a hot dog. like does not have a portillos near. I them. feel sorry for you. Portillos is like a hot dog hamburger place, but they're so beef. good. Uh, Italian beef, yeah, uh, cheese fry fountain. It's pretty nice. Like I felt bad because I couldn't eat the portillos, and I was looking forward to the portillos. We had to share one hot dog because I was, and so I didn't even, full. I didn't even have one French fry either mm-hmm. i just had half of a hot dog yeah but it was a good time um hella food strong drinks it was a good time um but here we are now and we're planning for our wedding and i guess we're we're getting there huh brie mm-hmm. oh yeah okay so oh, oh ooh, we're at the 15 minute mark we're, we better... at, we're at the 15 minute mark so we gotta we gotta like tell them what we're doing all right so here's what we're doing today um as we've been going through our director's series, we've been covering the films of Paul Thomas Anderson and Tim Burton. One after another, I chose Paul Thomas Anderson to cover And in I depth. chose Tim Burton. Bree chose Tim Burton. So we've covered in the past movies such as Boogie Nights, Magnolia, Punch Drunk Love. We've covered Tim Burton movies such as Beetlejuice, Edward Scissorhands. And today's movie, which is appropriate as it is a kind of dreary gloomy rainy day outside and we're recording this sort of in the dark um our film for today is 2007's adaptation of the stage musical sweeney todd the demon barber of fleet street starring johnny depp and helena helena oh god i always fudge up her name helena uh carter (laughs) i don't remember the bonham carter bonham bonham carter yeah um yes uh, Helena Bonham Carter. Who was the former wife of Tim Burton. They're not married anymore? No, they're not together anymore. I don't even know if they were married. They, oh. They're, they're not together anymore. Yeah, the thing that Tim Burton does, and I guess PTA does the same thing. You cast the actors you work best with. And he still casts her in things. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, you trust you trust the people you trust. And- mm-hmm. You know you you know what you can get out of people and... When you work well with somebody, you want to continue to work with them. So similarly to how Paul Thomas Anderson worked a hell of a lot with Philip Seymour Hoffman. Um, He worked a lot with Julianne Moore, John C. Riley, uh, Luis Guzman, who shows up in minor roles throughout almost all of his movies. Tim Burton does the same thing with Johnny Depp. He does the same thing with um, Helena Bonham Carter. He does the same thing with... um, Oh, God, there's another one that he uses quite frequently. Winona Ryder. Yeah, uh, not later. Not though. later, but early. She's Winona. early, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Sweeney Todd, Demon Barber of Fleet Street, released in December 21st, 2001, or 2007, sorry, um, to a wide release. Now, here's some background information on this movie. Um, Tim Burton, this was kind of a passion project for Tim Burton. While he never said passion project per se, he had talked about in interviews how he um, how he saw the stage musical in like the 80s or 90s. And then he said, you know, I'm not really a fan of musicals. Tim Burton, not a big fan of musicals. However, when he saw the stage production of Sweeney Todd, he said, this looks very cinematic. This is something you can adapt into a visual medium. Do you think he doesn't like musicals or he only likes dark comedies? <laughs> Maybe he only likes dark comedies. And there's not a lot of dark comedy musicals. No. Um, I would say like Dear Evan Hansen is a dark comedy. Uh, not, not, uh, as dark, yeah. not as dark as Sweeney Todd, though. Definitely not as dark and like macabre as Sweeney Todd. But when... So we saw... Dear Evan Hansen, the movie, which was terrible. shit. It was terrible. Poo-poo, um, poo-poo, poo God. I, we don't like, I don't like to poo-poo on movies but very often. But we're going to poo-poo on that one. Poo, Jeez. Poo, 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 How boring. How but boring. we went and saw the stage musical, Dear Evan Hansen, because... And I was surprised at how comedic it was because the movie is very... Somber. Dry, somber, a little heavy. Um, 
what and while this movie is like that there really isn't a lot of comedy in it but the stage production of dear evan hansen i mean there was there were times when the crowd was laughing with the characters or there were things that the actor playing evan hansen would do that people were you know giggling at and it was meant to be it was meant to be that way yeah it's like it it's dry dark comedy you're taking a heavy source material or heavy uh subject matter and you are trying to make it a little bit lighter and palatable for people because if it's just a musical about suicide that's not like fun it's not a fun thing to be a musical about you know you have to be smart with how you write this and you have to be smart with how you play with your audience with it too yeah so sweeney todd the stage production it's a very it's comedic it's it's got comedy moments in it mm -hmm. it's a dark comedy um the sweeney todd the musical was written in the 70s by stephen sondheim who was kind of up there with the best upper echelon of when um, you hear his name you know broadway that's that's broadway that's theater that's Mm -hmm. like untouchable up there with the andrew lloyd webbers of the world um he was uh we we give weber too much jonathan larson we give weber too much credit he wrote cats and that was terrible weber did weber write cats yeah t.s Eliot wrote the book book but he took the all these weird things about cats made into a musical and it's terrible but also, Andrew Lloyd Webber did Jesus Christ Superstar, which is one of my favorite I, he musicals. Ha, he has good ones. He has bad ones, like everybody. Yeah, sure. So Stephen Sondheim does Sweeney Todd, and it's a, a, a and I've never seen the movie. This was probably this was the only the one movie that I've, I've seen. Only. Yes, uh, I think this might have been the only movie that we've reviewed so far that I haven't seen, but Brie has. So I went into Sweeney Todd the movie not knowing anything about this, not knowing and anything I, of about course, the musical. Said, I asked him, I was like, do you want to get, you want to know the gist? Oh, and I said, yes. I was like, so I gave him the gist. I was like, here's the whole plot of the musical so that you're not because lost. We, because it's we started easy. It, we started and I was a little lost. It's easy to get lost in something when you don't know. Because all my theater friends out there who reads the plot of the musical before you go see it, I do. Yeah. I always do. Cause you, and then you listen to the songs, so, and that's like the plot. Mm-hmm. If Which, so, 1970s. It was porn out there. It's porn. It's raining. Ooh, just like the Demon Barber of Fleet Street. I only know that part of Sweeney Todd because of that Office episode where Andy is in the production of Sweeney Todd. That's the only thing I knew about <laughs> Sweeney Todd going into this. The Demon Barber of Fleet yeah. Street. Yeah. Um, I like the um, the uh, the miracle elixir one. Oh, uh, Pirelli's miracle mm-hmm. elixir. Yeah, yeah Sasha Baron Cohen uh, also in this movie playing Pirelli, and he did a pretty good job. This is right off the heels of Borat too, so nobody really knew the acting capabilities of Sasha Baron Cohen. Everybody just kind of knew him from Ali G. But you and know, Borat. Sasha Baron Cohen plays. Like the comedic relief character in a lot of musical adaptations. So to he's movies. in Lame Miz. Is and he, he plays... a comedic relief character? And in so Les is Miz? Helena Bonham Carter. Oh, really? They play, play husband and wife, and they're like a comedic relief of oh, the musical. Interesting. Yeah, see, I never saw Lame Miz. And either. they both play comedic reliefs in this movie, while not as comedic as it would be if it was the stage musical. Sure, sure. Um, so St- uh, Stephen Sondheim writes this, and it's from my research. Going into, like, the podcast, I try to look at, like, the production history and things like that. So I had to look into Sweeney Todd a little bit. And I was watching a little bit of the musical on YouTube, like, a filmed production of the musical. And I was noticing that, yeah, it's, like, a little bit comedic. Like, it's a dark comedy for sure. The movie, not so much a dark comedy. Um, The movie, very heavy, very dreary, very gloomy, very macabre. So... What I think is interesting is that Tim Burton saw the musical, not a big fan of musicals, but said, this has the capabilities of being a really good cinematic piece, a cinematic movie. So for years, he had been trying to adapt Sweeney Todd, like after Beetlejuice, trying to adapt Sweeney Todd. And initially, uh, he had you know kind of stepped away from trying to adapt Sweeney Todd, and a director named Sam Mendes was supposed to direct the movie. 
Sam Mendes stepped away and Tim Burton came back in in the mid 2000s um, and kind of rolled with it. And this is a different um, this. I think this is a different Tim Burton than we've seen in the past. But at the same time, very Tim Burton. At, yes. And you said that when we were watching the movie, you're like, it doesn't feel like Tim Burton. But at the same time, it kind of does feel like because Tim Burton. Because it has its, he has those telltale signs of a Burton movie where it's like very much black and white. Very much. Everyone has uh, like eye bags and they yeah. look distressed. It's, it's and, a, like a lighter saturation of color mm-hmm. um, where I was watching it and I looked at Brie and said, I don't think that this has the elements of the, typical tim burton style where it's like zany and cartoony i said we're really grounded it seems like in this one we're really dark in this one we're not as like beetlejuice has like the black and white stripes it has like the neon green colors like edward scissorhands was a little bit colorful when you get to the suburbs but this does have colorful elements a little bit whenever they go into like their dream sequences there it's all in beautiful color yeah um, one of the cool things that I found out in production history is that Tim Burton, because he knew he was going to play with saturation of color to make it a little bit more gray and to accentuate the blue and like the light blue of the gloomy London atmosphere, um, when they filmed the blood sequences, like when Sweeney Todd slices somebody's throat and the blood gushes out and sprays out, um, the mixture for the blood was orange because they knew they were going to play with saturation. So when in post-production, when they could do the saturation of the color, it would be red on camera. I thought that was kind of interesting that the director knows the, the way, the, what color the way it's going to look, you know, and what color it has to be to turn out right when we play with color. Exactly. And I thought that was really cool. And that's like kind of a smart move when you have that vision as a director to say, I know that it's going to look like this. This is what I want to do with saturation. So in order to get that, this thing needs to be this color so that it doesn't look stupid when we actually do the saturation of the color. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, Johnny Depp cast in the titular role of Sweeney Todd, the demon barber of Fleet Street. Uh, Johnny Depp, in, in my research of the production history, I was thinking of like what... Like, what did other people think about this movie? Um, was it popular? Was it culturally significant? Because people don't really talk about it in 2022. Like, I don't, in a casual conversation, like, nobody's saying, oh man, I love Johnny Depp and Sweeney Todd or Tim, Bur- Tim Burton. Man, I loved Sweeney Todd. But Johnny Depp earns himself a Best Actor nomination at the Oscars for this role. Would you agree with that? Do you think this is a best actor? He did a really, he did a really good job. Like it's definitely a standout performance. Mm -hmm. Um, with the movie not being what I would consider. The movie didn't get nominated. Yeah. I was like the movie, nothing is spectacular. Like it's a really good movie. I really enjoy the musical, but it's not like a nominated film. Sure. Whereas his performance is nomination worthy. Mm -hmm. I believe there. But I don't know. Maybe I'm being picky because we've been coming off of, like, what... So, let me put it this way. Whose performance do you think was better? Maybe we're comparing apples to oranges here. Whose performance do you think is better? Johnny Depp in Sweeney Todd or Tom Cruise in Magnolia? Johnny Depp in the Sweeney Todd. Really? You think so? Uh, See, I would disagree. And... Cruz did not get nominated. I don't know what, who was nominated that year. Cruz did not get nominated for um, a Best Actor Academy Award. I didn't think it was worthy. I didn't really like him in that movie. But I hated that whole movie. Yeah. Well, that you was... know, that's that's just like your opinion, man. I know, but you asked my opinion about yeah. who, who deserved nomination. I said Johnny Depp because I didn't particularly care for... And I'm trying to pinpoint, like, what was good about Johnny Depp's performance and it's hard to identify for me like what stood out and I don't know I maybe I'm just being picky it's not that I didn't like it but do I necessarily think best actor nomination I don't know I don't know it's up for debate however um 
Depp does a lot to kind of put his own personal spin and touch on the character. Uh, he came up with the entire look for the character. He came up with the hairstyle. He came up with the white streak because he said it would signify like this loss of um, innocence and this like rage that Sweeney Todd had in him that just like going crazy, you know, like when you're really stressed out, you have gray hair. Having that streak of white in his hair would be like a stressor for him. So he comes up with that and he comes up with the idea of pale face, purple and brown makeup around the eyes to give it a sunken eye look because you know tim burton loves that sunken eye look like corpse bride or well something. it's like you're tired yeah uh like stressed out tired exhausted depressed things like that um and if you see me i have those same things no makeup it's natural mm -hmm. what is the uh love it love it that's her character's name she also has that kind of look too um, but I think a lot of our like characters who are poor have that look to them because it you kind of it kind of sucked to be poor yeah. in this time in London. You want to discuss and you want to show off how crappy it is to be poor, <laughs> essentially. Because for those not familiar with the story, it's um, so Sweeney Todd's real name is Benjamin Barker. And he, at the beginning of the movie, he had, like, the before he becomes this demon barber, he had a beautiful wife and a new baby. She and, was beautiful. Yes. And what happened was a judge in the town that they were corrupt in. Judge in a corrupt judge who sends people away. Like, we, we gather that. He's he, corrupt. Yeah. He sent, he wanted his wife, so he sent Benjamin to Australia to, like, be a prisoner. Um. Benjamin escapes and he reinvents himself as Sweeney Todd and he's out for revenge. He comes back. This is like a Count of Monte Cristo type story where it's like this guy comes back under like a guise. A guise and puts all of these things together to try to get revenge on like one person. It's yeah, like his whole thing is he didn't he was not set out to kill anyone but this judge. Like, that mm -hmm. was his main focus. But then he gets to London, and of course he talks about how London is shitty, and everyone who lives there is full of shit, and everyone's terrible, and this place is terrible. It looks terrible. I told Brie when we were watching the movie, I'm like, London is, like, in the, especially in the, like, late 1800s, or mid-1800s, London is always shot to be, like, gloomy, dreary. dreary, wet all the time. And I was thinking, I'm like, I wonder if one London is actually like that, because I've never been. Um, I have to imagine no. But, it's, it rains a lot. Yeah. But I said, it's similar to how, like, in the 80s and 90s, people filmed New York City as being, like dark and only illuminated by streetlights, wet all the time, and then smoke rising from sewers. Like, if you watch Jason Takes Manhattan, uh, <laughs> that is, like, New York to a T. It's weird. Well, we he gets to London, and he goes back to, like, where he, he used to live. So we Mrs. Lovett's Pie Shop is where we end up next, and she sings a song about how she has the worst pies in London. Which is like a funny song. It's a funny song. It's supposed to be when Dark you, comedy. It's, you watch the musical. She is like a comedic relief. Yeah. So in my... Because again, I had no idea anything about Sweeney Todd the musical. So when I was watching a little bit of the musical, what I noticed he, is that... He, was, he turned next to me. He's like, why is she talking about how her pies are bad? Yeah. And I was like, that's the whole point. Like, this is like I said, did you not hear that she's using like cats as her meat? Like she's poor. She doesn't have money to like buy meat for the meat. There's pie. roaches all over the there's place. There's roaches all over. Like there's roaches in the pies. But with the stage production, lo so Lovett and Todd's like dynamic is definitely like straight man, funny man, because it's Sweeney Todd is melodramatic, overly like dark and macabre and love it while she's you know Zany. with him she's... with him she's more cartoonish and she's more like animated and he, like you said zany is a good word to to describe it and he comes back to 
her shop and he asks like can i use I'm a barber can i use this upstairs area and she kind of recognize recognizes him as benjamin barker and he's like what happened to my wife right and we have this whole and this is all in song yeah too so like you have to pick up on the lyrics. yeah and we all we we catch on that like his wife was invited by the like the, the judge to his home and she was unfortunately raped by the judge and then it's told that she poisoned herself and we're supposed to think poisoned herself with she she died mm -hmm. right and the, his daughter is now the ward of the judge. Yeah. And living with him. Right. So, I mean, this is all exposition told through a couple of different songs at the start. And I asked Brie, is this an opera? It's and, not an and opera. And I said, no, because unlike Les Miserables, which is an opera, there is spoken dialogue. So that, yes. that's what makes it not an opera. So what... I noticed about like this movie being different than the stage adaptation is that Lovett's character is probably the major change here that I noticed because like we said Lovett in the stage production zany kooky like very animated she's still kooky in she, this one she's kooky but the way Carter plays it is a little bit more pulled back it's like not as like I'm gonna flail my arms and dance around, but it's zany. It's it's kooky in the delivery of the dialogue. It's kooky in how she looks at Sweeney Todd. You know, like the eye, the eye movements. Well, she she's makes. like desperately in love with him. Yes, she's been in love with him since before he was Sweeney Todd. Went back when he was Benjamin Barker. Mm -hmm. Like this is. A I think she gives a better performance here than Johnny Depp does i think it's a more compelling performance that she gives because if you compare it with the stage adaptation or the stage production she really like pulls it back and like takes the essence of that love i think character. If, if she had gone balls to the walls she would have gotten that best actress you think I, if she would have gone like crazy, if it, like if she had put on a performance like the Sage Musical, where it was you think a little she bit more, I think what was really like, but I think the Academy. So when really you talk about the worst pies in London, it's like I should know I made them. Like I guess it's because that character is very high register. It's just like sometimes you lose that funny, mm -hmm. those funny moments when it's in such a high register. But the the Academy tends to love performances that are pulled back and nuanced and like, um strict to the essence of the character so i think if she went like balls to the wall and she went really animated and large with the character like in the production i don't know if the academy would have appreciated that i think they might have been like now nah, you're you're you know going a little overboard here but i i honestly i enjoyed like her performance in this so what, first... what i noticed it, and i tried to tell i like explain to brie when we were watching this movie i'm like there's something different here, and I can't quite put my finger on it. On like what's different here than in a musical like In the Heights, for example. And I told Brie, I said I, at the beginning of the movie, I'm like, I fear we're gonna go into Dear Evan Hansen territory, where because there's not a lot of choreography and like dancing and like big set pieces in the movie you're going to get songs that are and I told him strictly it, like to like a character singing to another character. And in Dear Evan Hansen, we fell into, there was like no direction. So Julianne Moore, when she's singing that, but that didn't song you feel at the like end, that was very much like of the, like the beginning where then it picked up and there was more choreographed movement yes. towards like the, the later songs. Yes. Like then we get to like the Mr. Borelli's miracle elixir. And like you're moving around and it's like there you get comedy as well where it's like this smells like piss. It's piss. And like well, because and it's the same thing when, when we saw Dear Evan Hansen and my major complaint. There was a lot of complaints about that. <laughs> but my major complaint about that was it's just boring. Like it's boring to watch. You don't want to watch Julianne Moore stare at Ben Platt and sing. There's got to be some other stuff going on that like keeps your interest yeah so like when we saw the musical dear evan hansen it in uh a song like 
I don't know if I could tell her. If I could tell her. It's a song where he's he's just like kind of singing to her, but there's other stuff like he's moving around, right? Like that that pe- keeps your interest in the song rather than saying snooze. Yeah. <sighs> Julianne Moore. Um and that's just a direction problem. And I was worried that this movie was going to fall into that where it was like a snooze fest because it, there's not a lot of movement going on and there's not a lot of like things to draw your attention into the musical. And I, I thought about it and I was like, maybe it's because Tim Burton like isn't a musical guy. Like mm-hmm. for a guy that doesn't like musicals to direct a musical, it I, I feared that we were going to fall into that trap. But I do agree with you. It picks up. Um, And then we get, like, obviously, they ruin uh, Mr. Brelly's, like, whole thing. He comes in to get a shave, right? And he tells Sweeney Todd, he's like, I get your money. And it's like, and then he drops his own accent. He used to be the apprentice of Benjamin Barker. So we get this, like, kind of threatening to to out him and so what does Sweeney Todd do him plunging him to death with a like a kettle Mm -hmm. and stuffs him in a crate and eventually finds out he's still alive and slits his throat and his oh dude can we talk about that for a moment it's very bloody yeah I did not expect that at all you didn't expect the spray of blood like the the insane amount of gore that's in this movie I did not expect that at all. And he, you have to remember, he did not set out to kill anyone but the judge. That's the only person he wanted to kill. So this kind of starts our snowball effect because he kills this guy. And then he's he's shaving like um, he gets his opportunity to this judge comes in. Right. And he kind of what's the story going on in the background is Joanna, his daughter. Is the ward of the judge. And Anthony... The 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 sailor who brings Sweeney Sweeney Todd Todd back to London. Kind of, they meet. And Anthony's immediately infatuated with Joanna. And he wants to rescue Joanna. Which, my... I guess my question when I watched the movie was... It doesn't... It doesn't feel like there's... um, A lot of connection between Joanna and Anthony... And it feels like we're moving very fast. Like he just saw her in the window and was like, I'm in love. But um, I told him, I'm like, we don't get their whole story. Because there's more. The, what I found out is there's more in the musical and yeah. the product, the stage production. There's more that uh, develops that relationship that we didn't see. But, you know, his focus is not Joanna and Anthony. His focus is Sweeney Todd and like what um, drives him. Well, it, it's in, in researching a little bit of the production history, Burton had said it's tough to do a musical because you have to take a three-hour stage production and turn it and into turn it into a two-hour movie. Yeah, so so there's obviously like you have to narrow it down to its core musicalness and focus on what needs to be focused on. And so you get like, unfortunately, as he's about to shave and kill the judge, Anthony comes in to ask for help with Joanna and the judge hears and he wants to marry the judge wants to marry Joanna. So he gets really mad and he's like, I will never come to this establishment again. Alan Rickman. And then that makes Sweeney Todd. He goes over the deep end. Cause now he's like, my plan is foiled. My, my plan is foiled. I'm just going to kill everyone. That's it. Everybody and so dies. You get this point where he's just killing people. And then, Miss Lovett has the 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 brilliant idea to say, "Well, we have all these people meet. Might as well make them into pie." This musical has everything: it dark has. and gloomy London, people eating people, and cannibalism. But th- it really works out for Mrs. Lovett. She's she gets the man that she wants. No Alan one gets Rickman scatting. <laughs> yeah, he does do that, doesn't he? When he's getting, she goes. Bop, 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 bop. <laughs> <laughs> he she gets the guy and then she's making a ton of money from these pies because this is the first time she has like a lot of pies there's like people eating at her establishment it tastes good the only complaint she has is from at the middle of the night the chimney it stinks because it's the me- the smell of burning flesh so well you're moving very quickly <laughs> through the plot 
You're moving so fast right now. Like I think we need. Uh, but to I think it, it really goes fast because that's does, like. It, but the, again, I'm it, going in order. And I'm not really missing anything. Yeah, but I mean, so, so like we can focus on some other stuff here because um, I did take notes on this. <laughs> um, God, I how do, how far back do we go? Um, so, so, Sasha Baron Cohen plays Pirelli. Yeah. Right. Well, that's not um, his real name. No, his real... I don't think they ever said his real name, did they? Yeah, they did. Um, I didn't catch it. However, this is coming off of the heels of Borat. Like, Borat comes out in 2006 and is, like, a cultural phenomenon. And now, Sasha Baron Cohen is thrust into the public spotlight after being able to fool people with these characters for a while. So, when Burton casts Sasha Baron Cohen... Nobody really knows what to expect out of this guy because he's not like a traditional actor to a lot of people. But he's the perfect comedic character. Yeah. Well, Johnny Depp has said before that it's like, we thought that he was just going to be like Borat. He was going to be like his characters. But instead, he was just like a professional and he was like a good actor and he was a very nice dude. And I think we hear that a lot about Sasha Baron Cohen. People like, are surprised that he's a normal guy. That he's a normal guy and he's like a good actor. <laughs> he just prefers like he's good at comedy he just can't fool like i'm surprised they came out with a second borat because i was like how do how do people still fall for this stuff after the first borat and after bruno and after ali g <laughs> like how do people still fall for this stuff and um i don't know maybe i'm going off because they target tangent. they target more of the the older generation in the that second probably hasn't seen borat yeah um that's we thought about the same thing with like impractical jokers it's like, like how does impractical joker you have to target people who don't look like they watch impractical jokers. yeah because i was like, like these guys don't like, target have to me get and you because we look we look like we watch some jokers you know yeah, we I mean? love them jokers who's your favorite joker uh, sal sal who's yeah. the best joker who's the funniest joker the funniest joker yeah me uh i would say joe joe is the funniest joker joe is the funniest joker <laughs> But he does play a really good character. It's unfortunate that his time on screen is so short. Yeah, uh, but I think he does his job. Um, Sweeney Todd gets cucked by Alan Rickman. That's what I said. Um, so London always looks shitty. Uh, what else did I put in? Oh, so when the judge finds out that, like, Anthony the Sailor has, like... Uh, feelings for joanna he gets mad he gets mad and then they beat the fuck out of him they beat they beat the can canoodle out of him but also they send joanna to an insane asylum well that comes later but they initially beat the ever-loving crap out of this guy and i was like i, I told brie when we were sitting there, i'm like he was just looking at her through a window and they beat the crap out of him like that like hardcore beat him up and I said, can can we not, like, look at anybody anymore? No, looking at her lovingly? No. No. Um, and so she, like, it's, we have, Joanna has the same feelings for Anthony that he has for her. She's willing to go away with him. But, unfortunately, she gets trapped. She's not, she's, like, in a, a sane asylum. She's stuck in there. And he wants help getting her out. Yeah. And if they do, they but, do. I mean, that that comes a lot later. In Not the... where I am. <laughs> You're moving quick. That's why. Um, so, uh, Sweeney Todd gets this reputation as, like, a really good barber because he beats Pirelli in mm -hmm. the challenge. Because, like, when Pirelli is up on the stage, he's saying, I have a miracle elixir that's going to grow your hair and all that goodness. And Sweeney Todd's like, and it's piss and he's ink. He's like, it's, it's, <laughs> it tastes like piss and ink. And, um... He challenges Pirelli and says, like, who can get the closest shave or the best shave on the The quickest, dude? closest shave. Yeah. And Sweeney Todd it's... wins it and kind of gets the reputation, like, this good reputation as, like, a pretty good barber. Um, so that's when the judge, like, is tempted to go to Sweeney Todd and they sing the song about beautiful women. And that's where he gets foiled. He doesn't get to kill him. Yes. And so he go he goes crazy, like I said. And then he kills and Pirelli. And he kills, well, he already killed Pirelli at that point. And then point. they take in... Pirelli's like little boy assistant what is his Toby name? Toby and Toby kind of feels like Miss Lovett is kind of like mom yeah like, well I tell you what Miss Lovett he he's very protective of her and that comes to bite Todd I walked out I think I like turned off the movie and I was like I think I have a British accent now <laughs> me bad and, but Mrs. Lovett loves 
like Sweeney Todd. I don't think they care. Neither of them really care about Toby. No. Well, no, she's kind of beaten up about. So when like they're making the pies, it's the people. Toby's getting a vibe from Todd that he's not a good guy. And he kind of sings this song about how he's always going to protect her from um, like a wolf in sheep's clothing, like people you can't trust. Um, and the kid is on to Todd. And like she sings in that song with Toby. And she's kind of like in tears as she's like, you're going to help me make the pies now. And she locks him down there. Right. Because mm -hmm. she knows that he can't live anymore. Because he's suspicious of what they're doing. And when he's locked down I there... I didn't catch that. So uh, thank you like, for explaining that. You're welcome. <laughs> While he's down there, he's eating pies because she said you can eat as many pies as you want. Okay, yeah. So let me let me bring this up for a second. When they start making these pies and they decide this is going to be our business. Like he, Sweeney Todd's going to kill these mofos and he's going to drop them yeah, down. Yeah, he only into, kills people who won't be missed. And he drops them down into the, like, furnace place and then Lovett makes them into pies. Well, when she starts doing that, everything fills up and they start getting, a, like, a lot of business. Yeah, and so she's starting and to dream about so, well, no, good not, life not and not have money. So I – is that, like, a true thing that human flesh – like? I did Being some, a cannibal is I did addictive. some I did some research and the internet says as long as you don't eat the brain then you're not going to get addicted. Yeah. Well, then you won't get sick. Like the part that that makes us like have be sick is eating the brain. Like it's the only part of the human that's like not safe to eat. But so there's this like there's there, a that, lot of like I guess rumor or like a myth that eating human flesh like being a cannibal is a like you get addicted to the taste of human flesh is that do you think that's true i don't i don't necessarily the internet doesn't think there's an episode true. of sunny uh, it's always sunny in philadelphia where they think they're eating human flesh and they think they're getting addicted to it and i mean that's where i heard that rumor or that myth and then now with this movie because the pie shop gets packed so quickly are people getting addicted to it is the question. Or does it just taste real good? I guess. I don't know. Uh, where, do you, where do you draw the line on meat? Um, I wouldn't eat human meat. I wouldn't eat horse meat. I wouldn't eat... I'll eat cow... I eat cow, pig... Duck? Chicken. Would you eat a duck? I've never had duck. Would you eat an antelope? No. No? Um, would you eat... I've had venison. Would you eat a turtle? Against my will. I would not eat turtle. No turtle? I have had fish, but I won't eat, like, cute fish. What, what, like, what's a cute fish? Like, well, it's against the law to eat, like, whale and dolphin and yeah. shark. Is what there... about that fish that is, like, um, it's got, like, the two beady eyes that are all the way on, like, the sides, of the... and it looks like it's smiling all the time? I forget the name of the animal. I don't know. I, I just I don't I don't know. Okay. <laughs> um anyway, moving on. So uh one of the things that I noticed about this movie that um I I was struggling pretty much throughout the first half of the movie in saying like why is this feel so weird as a musical? And then we took a break watching it. Like we split it up into two parts because Brie had to go to the gym and stuff. So when she came back from the gym and we started watching it again, I figured it out. It like the light bulb moment went off. Um, Tim Burton doesn't shoot this movie like a normal musical. No, he shoots it instead of a he wide cinematically wide frame musical shot. He focuses in. It's so more if tight you, framed. If you think of like some of the better mu movie adaptations of musicals, like a West Side Story or In the Heights, for example. There's a lot, like, musicals are big. They're spectacles, especially when there's large choreographed dance sequences and things like that. These are large spectacles, so you're not going to get a lot of close-ups. You're going to get a lot of wide frames with a lot, of, like, dynamic stuff in there. A lot of stuff in there drawing your attention, drawing your eyes to a lot of different things. So this movie's a little bit different because normally musicals are shot like that, but Burton shoots a lot of close-ups and a lot of like very close frames like 
accentuating the facial movements of the characters and kind of the emotions that are elicited by the characters. So like those close-ups that Tim Burton like puts onto characters like Sweeney Todd or definitely characters like Love It, it allows your actors to be able to give them more pulled back nuanced performances because that is cinematic. Being able to look at an actor's facial expressions like the eye movements or the, the mouth movements of a character, um, the eyebrow movements to you know show emotion, that's stuff that you wouldn't catch on stage because you're not close to it. Mm -hmm. But in a movie, when you focus in on that, you can definitely see those those acting choices that those or those actors are making for those characters. So I thought that was like cool because it's a little bit different and that like that's how you make a stage music. stage production cinematic. Yeah. Right? Like that's how you change that that tone. So we get to this point where he's lost control. They're making pies out of people. Toby becomes suspicious. He's gets they're all like, don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. He's like, I'm a, I'm Todd, he's suspicious of Todd and not of her. Until he goes down, he's allowed to eat the pies while he's working and making the pies and grinding the meat. Like, and he like finds human? like a finger. And he kind of like goes and looks underneath the meat grinder and sees that it's people parts. And he kind of gets spooked and he wants to get out. And at that point, like, everything's going to to crud out upstairs anthony has gotten joanna joanna's escaped she's dressed like a man she almost gets killed by todd but the judge walks in and that's his main focus he stabs the judge to death he gets his chance to kill him oh he and, goes hard on the judge but before the judge comes in i forgot to mention this the beggar woman comes in we don't know this until the very end. The beggar has been in the movie. The whole like, time. Like shadowy figure in the movie. You don't it's see her like face. like this poor woman. This like. Uh, the this beggar is like a Hamlet-esque yeah. ending. So the beggar woman is actually his wife. And she comes in and she recognizes him. And he kind of she kind of gets in his way. So he kills her. Slits her throat. Tends her down. Ice cold. Right? Because he wants that chance to kill the judge. So he kills the judge. Blah, blah, blah. Then Joanna's left after the judge is, and he's about to kill her, but Lovett screams. And he's like, you get away. Forget my face. And he goes down with Lovett, and she's like, oh, it's everything's okay. He just was still alive. He's dead now. We're fine. But she notices that the beggar woman's down there, and she kind of starts freaking out, trying to hide it. And then what does Todd do? He recognizes that that's his wife, and she's He's like, what's going on to her? And she's like, well, I said she was poisoned. I never told you she died. Is that a lie? Yes, it's a lie. Withholding lie, the truth, is that lie, lie? by omission. Oh, okay. It's yeah. a lie. So she's kind of scared because she's been, you know, afraid of this the whole time. She's wanted him to herself. And he is not a very forgiving man, knowing that his wife is like the only reason he came back. Um... So they have like this dance sequence where he's like, don't worry. Like, I forgive you. Everything's okay. And then he pushes her into the furnace. Yeah. The oven. So she dies a horrible death of being burned alive. Sure. Which, which is... I, I wonder if that's how she dies in the musical. And then he's kind of like over his wife's body and kind of like feeling sad. Right. Throat slash. And who is the perpetrator? It's Toby. Whoa. He was hiding down there. This is a Hamlet-esque ending where everybody dies except for like one character. Like Lovett dies. Todd dies. Um, the wife dies. But who gets away? Anthony and Joanna. Mm -hmm. By the skin of her teeth, she gets away. And Toby. Yep. And then there are no more. Joanna has no idea who Sweeney Todd is, right? Like, she doesn't know that that's her biological no. father. Okay. Because he's like she was a baby when he was sent away. Yeah. So that is the a epic couple of ending to that movie. And Anthony has some stuff that I wanted to bring up. So there's a song that's in the movie where Lovett is singing about marrying Sweeney Todd. Yes. And that's like the first. What I noticed was the first like 
identifier of like a traditional Tim Burton style where of, it switches to kind of it's like light. it's light. There's it's a lot of color like but it's also a dream sequence mm-hmm. and it's all about them being being on a beach and yeah um, being happy and um, it's played really well. And I wonder like how that is played in the stage production because um, I could tell like with Lovett's character being zany and cartoony and kooky in the musical that can be played that song is like definitely a comedy that's like the during the sequence is the point you realize that Lovett's hair is red yeah yep um so kind of cool there Uh, I noticed the lighting changes and the saturation changes as we go from um one act to another where it's uh once we make that plan to start making people into meat pies we go from gray and blue to dark and illuminated by firelight almost. Um, and that's kind of where that whole third act of the movie, um, we get a lot of that saturation, that like hue of color um, during that part of the movie. So I thought that was kind of interesting, the changes in saturation, the changes in color. Um, I, I liked it. You know, I mean, not, it was not Anthony's cup of tea. So I told the reason why I I told Bree this too. I it's not that I dislike the movie. I like the movie, and I thought it's good. You know, I can appreciate why it's good. I can appreciate Depp. I can appreciate Carter. I can appreciate Burton. Appreciate all these things about it. However, um, movies and TV shows that are set in late eighteen hundreds London. Not my cup of tea. That's why I can't watch Downton Abbey. That's why I don't, I don't really like Sherlock Holmes all that much. And again, much. like musicals are especially difficult to follow along with, especially if you, you're not familiar with the exactly. stage production because they take out a lot and you have to like... You have to really listen to the lyrics and the music. And if you miss one thing, then you could be lost. Well, Anthony's learning new stuff as I'm talking about this musical, like right across from him. And he's like, I didn't pick up on that. And it's like, because sometimes you weren't paying attention. Yeah. No, I, yeah. And that's then, I'm like, you miss things. And I've seen it before. Mm-hmm. So, um, it's not that I didn't like it. I like it and I appreciate it. It's just that a movie like this, and I love musicals, but a movie like this, I just, like the London it, atmosphere, yeah, it it's yours. not my thing. Um, so, Brie, uh, my question for you as we wrap this up very quickly because we're going to our cake tasting. <laughs> so, <laughs> In like 10 um, minutes. <laughs> so, we have to, we have to be fast here. Um, it does not make my list. It does not make your list. I love, I love it. Great musical. I just think that this is not his best work, though I do love it. A lot of people would disagree. A lot of people would say Sweeney Todd is Tim Burton's best work. But you know what? Predominantly takes the cake as, uh, speaking of cake, um, takes the cake as uh, what people think is Tim Burton's best movie. What do you think? People, a lot of people say Edward Scissorhands. Because that's Burton's masterpiece. Though I think Beetlejuice is the best movie he's done, but that's because it's my favorite. Yeah. Where I actually would think Unbiased Lens, not even my favorite. I think Frankenweenie is his best movie. Yeah. And we'll we'll get into that, it. Yes. Um, that is going to be our fourth <laughs> yeah. and final. Tim I Burton spoiled movie. it. Uh, our final Tim Burton movie will be Frankenweenie. Are we going to go with Frankenweenie, Tim Burton's original? Or no, we we're going to go, go the, with the cartoon. The cartoon. Yeah. The remake. Okay, so we'll go with that. And uh, no, the team uh, Sweeney Todd does not make my yes, list obviously, of, <laughs> it does not make my list of the top one hundred. Uh, but I'm I, again, I'm all very very picky with my list. Um, well, with that being said, uh, we are just about finished with our Sweeney Todd episode. Next week on the agenda, we have our final Paul Thomas Anderson movie, which is going to be um, a movie that neither of us have seen before but and we did this on purpose because we both wanted to see it we were looking for reasons to watch the movie and this is a perfect reason uh paul thomas anderson's latest film licorice pizza so we'll see if i like it and we'll see if i like it um (laughs) starring uh the son of late great philip seymour hoffman and And one of the heim sisters yeah a Heim is in the movie. Which one? I don't know, but... I think it's the middle Heim, no? Is, I thought it was the youngest Heim. Maybe it's the youngest Heim. I don't know. Yeah. So we'll be it's doing... definitely li- not the oldest Heim. Definitely not the oldest Heim. But um, Licorice Pizza will be next on the agenda for next week. So followed keep, by Frank and Weenie. Then followed we'll, by Frank and Weenie. And then we'll Jurassic take, World Dominion. Yeah. 
and then we get into our actors series but we'll cover all of that yeah we'll probably take like a week break between maybe series yeah we'll see um so brie where can we find um you can check out our socials um on instagram we are review underscore pod um you can also email us at reviewpodcast1 at gmail.com you can follow anthony on twitter at gldtv twitter i don't know is there that's my twitter handle gldtv yeah oh gldtv1 sorry there you go and then where can we find you um if you you get one of those magic eight balls and shake it um it I get a tingle, and I'll know that you're looking for me. Okay, cool. Or you can check the uh, the the seas between London and Australia, and you might find Brie floating in the water. And if you want to rescue her and take her back to London so she can avenge the loss of her uh, significant other My as wife. a barber. Yep. <laughs> I'm going to be the demon barber. The demon barber. <laughs> um, then, yeah, you can find Brie that way. So all those things... Uh, you can yeah find us that way we look forward to um wrapping up our movie director series so um if you have any ideas going forward of what you'd like us to cover we're We're, gonna we're good up until the end of august i think with our schedule um we're gonna start our actor series so that will be a lot of fun um please 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 always engage with us we're always looking for new ideas so please five star us yes five stars please all right, we're we're gonna wrap it up because uh, we gotta we gotta taste this cake. Okay, this has been the review podcast. I'm Bree and I'm Anthony, and that's that. See you next week for licorice pizza. The review podcast. Yeah.